0: All right, good morning. I'm going to be in the book of Luke here in just a moment, in chapter 8. But first, I want to just thank you guys for your patience with me. I've been gone the last couple of weeks, and it's good to be back. Last week, I got to be at a youth rally in Denver City, Texas, and it's crazy, because I'm just curious real quick, how many of y'all know where Denver City, Texas is? Like, raise your hand. The weird thing is, we actually have members that are from Denver City, Texas, and that blows my mind. Um, but there's a few of you know where it is. It's a super small oil town. And um, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood about 60 years ago, they started a youth rally in West Texas, uh, 60 years ago, right? And... Um, this little town has, they've, they've had as many as 1,000 kids come to this youth rally, okay? And they had about 500 there this last weekend. Uh, it's crazy, you know, and acapella was there and they were doing some recordings and it was just amazing to be a part of it. And uh, it, it's so beautiful to me, but the reason it's so beautiful is because the guys that started the youth rally are elders of the church and they were teenagers when they started the youth rally. Okay, they were the ones that started it, not the youth minister, not the church, nobody. It was these kids that got this going, and now they're the elders of the church that are there. And it's crazy, but it's a great example. And the reason I love it so much is because it's such an example of what God can do with something so incredibly small and the most impossible soil. And I, if you're from Denver City, I love you, but it's wow. And in that place, they did something so powerful, and it's just crazy to me. And I was thinking about it yesterday, because yesterday I had a temptation. I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking, man, I've got the temptation. I really want to stay home and study. I want to be in my books, and I want to be organized, and I want to be prepared. And then there's another side of me that says... Man, I have not been out at the, we, we, on Saturdays, you know, I've talked some about it, feeding the homeless and helping the homeless. I haven't been, I haven't been there in several weeks and I need to go and, and, and be there today. And then I had other visits I was supposed to make yesterday and I ended up not being home yesterday. And it was amazing how God spoke to me, um, through so much that happened. Uh, Bob, how many did we have yesterday out at the Church for the Homeless? Man, we have about 200 people there. Uh, I was really proud of myself because uh, Daniel asked me how many I thought was there. And I said, maybe 180. And he goes, oh, no, that's more than that. And I said, good, I'm not a preacher. I'm not doing a preacher count, man. I, I, I'm being conservative. But um, here's what was so cool is is before the meal uh, Bob will do a devotional and he'll get up there and, and, and he'll start talking. And man, he's just kept going. I mean, he was going, it was good, but he was going. And you remember what somebody said from the back yesterday? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Now, if I'm preaching a sermon, man, if I'm preaching a sermon and somebody in the back of the room is like, I'm hungry. Oh man, I'm, you're going to see me fold. Okay. I'm going to be like, but Bob goes, he just stands up and he goes, um, I know you're hungry, I'm hungry too, but this is God's word and you're going to respect it. And he keeps going, and I mean, that's not what was cool. Here's what was cool. I, don't, I must have heard 12 to 15 voices out there in this crowd of 200 people all just jump up and say, that's right. And they were excited about what was happening. And, and and the reason that meant something to me in preparing for this lesson is I was thinking, Bob, what are you doing out here? Miguel, what are you doing out here? Why are you planting seeds here? What kind of soil is this anyway? Why are you planting seeds in this soil and in the parable of the sower or the parable of the seeds or the parable of the soils, whatever you're going to call this parable? That's one of the big questions in my mind. For a farmer... You don't take your seeds and throw it on the sidewalk. You don't throw your seeds among the thorns and you don't throw your... It's just not the way you use your investment. The seeds are for good soil. That's where you plant your seeds. Those of you who planted a garden this spring, I planted one. Um, Man, I carefully planted my seeds. I carefully cultivated the soil. I knew exactly where I was going to plant them. I didn't take my seeds and just start throwing them all over my yard and throwing them all over the sidewalk. I planted them specifically where I knew they would grow. And so it's by God's grace, the first thing I see in this parable, and I'm just going to read through this in a second, it's by God's grace that he even throws the seed on some of these soils. It's by God's grace that it's there at all. And so if you look at this parable and you think, well, is this the parable of the sower? Yes. It's a parable about a God that with reckless abandon, lavishes His grace everywhere and even in the most unexpected places. It's the parable of the seed because this parable is about the power of a seed in someone's life and in a few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about, the power that is in the seed. It is the parable of the seeds and it's the parable of the soils because this is about us cultivating our hearts. It's about who we are before God. When I stood before these kids at this youth rally this last week, I was praying throughout my entire talk. I'm praying about the hearts. And the thing is, it doesn't matter what I say or how I say it, how creative I am. Can I grab your attention? Am I speaking from the gut? Am I speaking from the heart? Am I appealing to them? It does not matter how I, I, no matter what I do, there are going to be some people taking notes and some people passing notes. It does not matter. That's what's going to happen. It does not matter. There are going to be some people with tears in their eyes because they're convicted and some people with tears in their eyes because they are bored. No matter what I do, that is going to be what happens. When I first, I think it was the first month that I ever taught a class in church in my life. I was, and I will never forget the first class that I remember teaching. Is, I was standing before, it was a pretty large class. And this is back when, even though Brad was going to the same church I was, Brad wasn't even old enough to be in the youth group when this happened, okay? I've been, (laughs) been around a little while. I'm doing this class, and I have nobody's attention, And I'm, I mean, when I started this class this morning, I went up and I went around the room to every single chair and I prayed over it. And I remember doing this. I prayed over the people in the room and I said, God, I lift this up before God. I lift this message before you. I pray God. And I worked hard and prayed hard. And I was like, this changed my life. This is powerful. This will change the direction. This is going to light somebody's life on fire. And then you're teaching. And I mean, I've got nobody's attention. I have lost this class. And there are people that are just... there. One guy that I loved to death, Kyle, he was hilarious. And man, it was just the funny... He was cracking jokes, being funny. You have the people that have disdain for me um, sitting in the back of the room, you know, and they're just looking at me with this glare. And you've got all of these different soils represented in the room, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And at the end of the class... I remember they all left, and it was one of the most profound moments um, for me in my ministry. That when they all left, I saw one page ripped out of the Bible, and it was crumpled up, and it was under a chair leg. And I just sat down, and I cried. And I just looked at it, and I was like, God, if people don't listen to your word, don't let me be the reason they don't. Man, call somebody else to do this because I don't want to be the one that gets in the way. If somebody doesn't receive this, don't let it be because of me. And I hated the task of having to be the one that is going to be the reason that this isn't driven home. All my life, it was my dream to say, I want to take this word and bring it to life for people. I want people to know the power that's in this book. I want them to know the power that's in this message. And if I can't do it, God, get me out of the way. And I was so upset. And I remember I took that same piece of paper, crumpled up piece of paper, And I sat before the class and in tears, I preached from that page the next week and I lifted up God's word to them and they started to hear it. They started to. But the thing is, in the parable of the soils, there is so much that I think that we try to put on our shoulders in ministry and in the church that simply does not belong on our shoulders. In the book of Acts, hear what I'm saying. In the book of Acts, the church has no idea what they're doing. Okay? They were not passing around. They they, they did not have these really clever ideas how to do ministry. It was like this. The Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to go west, and they went. And what happened on Cyprus, and what happened in Antioch, and what happened in in Derby, and and everywhere they went. It was not their power. It was not their technique. It was the Holy Spirit that drove the church. That was the power behind the church. They, well, I'm just going to share this quote to you because someone sent this to me just recently. Patrick Mead said this. And I have to share this with you because I needed this and I think the church today needs this. I want you to hear what he says. As a minister... I've received the hard sell, this is the way, pitches all my life. I've seen so many the way fads come and go. Sometimes leaving a lot of worn out, burned out, disillusioned people in their wake. Bus ministries, open Bible studies, film strips, crossroads, Boston, four or five discipleship methods, spiritual gift inventories, and no exaggeration, dozens more every year. There's a new book. All of these were backed by good people who truly believed they had found the key. All of these worked for a while. For some, they got the low-hanging fruit and then ran into a wall, leaving their champions insisting on throwing more time, resources, money, and people against the wall, even when returns were few. The Jesus way is hard, but it never stops working. Love God. Love others, serve all, and let your lives and speech be full of grace and love. You don't need expensive, expansive programs. You just need a Jesus-saturated church full of Jesus-saturated people. The Spirit will take it from there. What? Who wrote that? I, I was so excited when I read that. I said, this is what's been on my heart from the book of Acts. It was like, God, I want your spirit to be in our lives, in our ministry. I want you to surprise us again. I want you to take us to places that make no sense. And sitting there in the, I, I sat with um, Lucille Paul uh, yesterday, and I sent out an email to some of you about Lucille. Um, she, um, she right now is in a, a nursing uh, care facility. Uh, she's been put on hospice. And I sent out an email and let some of you guys know about her. And I went to see her because I hadn't been, uh, been out of town. And I went to go see her yesterday. And she said, oh, no, it's fine. She goes, you, so many members from your church have come to see me. They came and sang over me. She said, a group of people came and sang over me. People have come and they've sat and visited with me. And she was just excited. And I was thinking, look at what the Spirit is doing. And then I was thinking about the ministry in the park yesterday. and something that makes no sense, but I'm seeing lives being given to Christ. And I'm seeing powerful things happen where you wouldn't expect it. And it's so beautiful, but I want to share this soil, this, this soil. I want to share this parable with you. And this morning, I just want it to be about you. I want this to be something that either to you as somebody who is a minister and you're a farmer, you're the one planting seeds, but maybe more importantly, um, as the soil itself. I want you to think about that in the, the soil of your own heart as we kind of uh, read through this parable. Luke chapter 8. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was shown a question the disciples ask. It says, when he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what I want you to, before I get to their question, I want you to know that this quote right here is the emphasis of the parable. Did you know the book of Revelation focuses on this quote a lot as well? Listen, I'm going to put my word out there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame myself for anything that happens after this, because here's the thing, I'm going to put my word out there. And if you've been given ears to hear, you will hear this. And this is what he goes goes on. The disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Now the reason that's crazy to me is because... Typically, when we talk about Jesus' parables at church, we always say, why did Jesus speak in parables? And you know what our common answer is? To make it more palatable and more understandable. That's what we say. That's why we say he spoke in parables. Hey, they're farmers, so he spoke to them in farming terms. Hey, they're ranchers, he spoke to them in ranching terms. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says he spoke to them in parables so that they would not understand. How about that? He spoke to him in parables to cloud this up a little bit. And you know what's so crazy about Jesus and his ministry? He kept doing things wrong. I'm glad you laughed. I mean, he did. And the disciples would come to him and say, do you understand that people are leaving? Do you understand that you worded that in a way that offends people? Do you understand that you worded that in a way that we're not going to have as many next week as we had this week? They said that to him. And Jesus would come back and say, man, I'm not here. I'm not here to be the McDonald's of ministry. I'm here to be the Ruth's Chris. If y'all don't know who Ruth's Chris is, it's too expensive for us to know anyway. That's okay. (laughs) But I'm here to give good food. I'm here to give the right gospel. I'm here to give this solid. I'm not here to try to commercialize or cheapen any of this. I'm here to give you something hard that is life-changing, but I'm going to give it to you as it is, and that is how he presented the gospel. And then he stepped back and he said, "Now let the soil do what the soil is going to do." But I want to focus this week just on this first soil. And each and each week we're going to kind of look at one of the different soils and apply it to our own hearts. But he says this, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. He uses the illustration of birds, and in some of the Gospels, the illustration of people trampling on it. And you just have this vision of of seed that has been scattered, and it's just left on this hard ground. Now, you don't get to see this in Colorado, but that's kind of what it looks like in Texas a lot of times. Um, And the ground gets so hard and hot that when it rains, not even the rain can go into the soil. It floods because it's concrete now. And the water just sits on the dirt like concrete when it becomes this hard. And there's no way a seed is going to penetrate it. It is impenetrable ground at this point. And he gives this image of the birds and people's trampling on it. And this is where the parable begins. He says, some of what I'm going to say is going to fall on hearts that are so callous and so hard that there is nothing that's going to penetrate them. And I think it's ridiculous for us in our lives, and I think this applies to most of us, that you have somebody that desperately, you want to bring the gospel to. And you're like me, and you walk away and thinking, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I reach them? I'm doing everything. I'm praying, God, I'm lifting this before but I'm not reaching them. And here's the crazy thing is, we're putting a burden on ourselves that even Jesus didn't reach the majority of people he spoke to. Man, Paul put people to sleep. This is the reality of it. And he comes and he just says, listen, each one of us is responsible for our own soil before God. Each one of us is responsible for our own heart uh, to receive this message. And I think about that and I think, when I give a message, when someone talks, when you're sharing the gospel with a close relative and a close friend, you know that look you get where it's just a glaze and the gospel seems irrelevant and it seems like something that is like, well, I'm hearing what you're saying, but it just never takes root in our heart and Satan is ready the birds are ready. All this is ready to immediately come and devour you. I think about a lot of this, and the reason I love he's spoken these kinds of parables is because I do love gardening, and I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, I prepared a flower bed this year. And I I did. I thought exactly how I'm going to put it together, and it made it look good. And I thought about the soil that I was going to put in it. And I got the best soil I could get, and I put it in, I cultivated it, and I thought about this and where I was going to plant things. But this is how terrible I am. I planted all of my San Marzano tomatoes. I love San Marzano because that's the best thing for lasagna. I planted all my San Marzano tomatoes out there. Then I planted all my lettuce out and I was ready to go. And then I planted my watermelon because that's going to work. And I, I, I got all this ready to go. And then I put my tomato cages up. You know, and I'm thinking, man, I know what I'm doing. Look at this. And it looked beautiful. And I had my tomato cages all ready to go. And I watched them grow from seedlings this spring. Now, some of y'all, most of you had your gardens destroyed by the hail. I didn't. The hail missed me. But let me tell you, those tomatoes just took up, grew over everything. I have no clue where my watermelon is right now. (laughs) My lettuce all died because it's all withered underneath the tomato somewhere. The tomato cages were just wrapped up and thrown on the ground everywhere. And all my tomatoes are hanging on the ground. But they're everywhere. But they're dying everywhere because I don't know how to take care of a garden. Okay? But at least I'm getting some tomatoes. But I was watching this and thinking about this and saying, this is the beauty of the parable. And I just want to give this to you because over the next few weeks, I hope this sinks, home, this sinks in and becomes something that really means something both to your own heart and to your gospel. Um, when I was doing this, I was thinking about this parable, and I was thinking, man, I, I didn't think ahead on some of this. But then I looked at the tomatoes, and I was just like, wow, God, I hope, my, I hope ministry looks like that. I hope my life looks like this before you. Just one, it only took one seed, only took one, doing one thing right, and there was so much fruit, it bowed the plants to the ground. Bowed them to the ground, they can't even support their own branches anymore. And this is what Jesus says in this power, in this, in this parable, and this is the power of it, is I'm going to put out this seed, and there are people, because of the hardness that's in their heart, are going to reject this. There are people, because of the shallowness that is in their heart, are going to reject this, but it only takes one seed. It only takes one single seed to be planted in your heart. Wow, I'm I'm on now. I'm gonna I'm gonna start back from the beginning. No, it's fine. Um, it only takes that one seed to be planted deep in somebody's heart, and a harvest comes as a result. What I kind of want to gear us up for, both as a church and as individuals, is in all of these parables Jesus tells, the parable of the seed in the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the fallen seed. Over and over he gives parables of what a seed is. And John, one of his disciples, comes in and he says this, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. Peter, another one of his disciples, says this. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. His disciples heard this and they got the value of what the seed is inside of you. It is life. It's everything. And for me, as an individual, as a teacher and I pray for us as a church, we'd understand this. We are not a business. We are not a corporation that's trying to figure out how to do church right. If we are, we are in serious danger of ceasing to be the church of God. The church of God is faithful and dependent and thriving because of one thing. His spirit is And his seed is alive in you. It's everything in you. And you step back and you watch the power of what that does in your marriage, in your walk, in your ministry, and in your life. But if God's Spirit is not with us, then why do we want to grow anyway? Why would I want to perpetuate something godless? I need God's Spirit in me, and we need it in our lives, and we need it in our ministry. And I'm going to pray this, that the burden would be lifted off of you as a farmer. To know that it is not your responsibility what the ground does with the seed. But I want to give this challenge to us as the ground and as the soil. Even good soil can become hardened over time. That has happened in my heart over and over and over again. The rocks... And the weeds are alive and they're well. And even right now as I give this message, I'm going to close with a prayer. Right now there are people that are convicted in this room. Right now there are people that are out there saying, man, I'm hungry. I really don't care. Right now there are people out there, and I'm just saying this because it's God's word, not to be that are so shallow they can't possibly understand this. And right now there's somebody so angry at God, so angry at life, so angry at everything, that it is rock solid right here. You're not going to penetrate this, God. You're not going to touch this, God. And my prayer is that you would hear Jesus saying, Listen, whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. Because if this seed does not sink into your life, you're just going to be this path. You're going to lie dormant, and eventually you'll die. Or eventually you'll be that person that looks back and says, I wish I had run this race differently. But when that seed takes root in your heart, and I've witnessed it in so many lives in this room, it fills you with life. It fills you with joy. It fills you with purpose. I'm going to talk about this more next week, but I shared with you like this crazy, powerful, embarrassing moment I had at Home Depot when I was trying to get a plant. And have you ever done that thing where you pull that plant out of the pot, you're in Home Depot, and there's no dirt in it at all? Because the whole thing is full of what? Just roots. It's a massive root ball. So consumed with the seed that there's nothing left of it. It's just the seed. And I sat there, and this was years ago, but I'll never forget this. I sat there and I was actually crying looking at this, and I'm in Home Depot where you're supposed to be a man, and I'm listening, <laughs> and I'm lifting this up, and I'm like, God, I want this to be my life, man. I want your seed. I want this, I want, to, I want you to consume me. Uh, So in the coming weeks, when we look at this parable, I pray that this would be a time of real transformation for us, for you as a person, that his word would be alive in you. But also that it would give encouragement to your ministry to know that as a church, it's not our responsibility what the soil does, but it is our responsibility to be responsible with the seed. Father, I just want to come before you, and I pray, God, that our hearts won't be hardened I pray, God, for your church today, and I pray, Father, that um, we would become dependent on your spirit, that your spirit would be life and breath and everything, that we will not think that that is something relegated to the book of Acts, but that is something so real and so active, and, and your presence with us is everything. And I pray, Father, for the ministry happening at the park right now. I pray, Father, for the lives that are being transformed and what's being done there. And I pray, God, that that will never be seen as something that is, wow, look at what we're doing. Or we have this great plan. Or, that this is nothing but witnessing the power of your spirit. And I ask, God, that uh, you'd give us the wisdom to be aware of that. And to put that in effect in our own lives. And I want to lift up to you any heart that is in this room or listening to this right now that could be hardened. And I pray, Father, that you would till the soil, soften the soil, do whatever it takes in lives so that they receive the life-transforming life power of your word. God, I love you for what you're doing in and through this body. I praise you for the presence of your spirit. And may you be honored right now, not by the hearing of your word, but by the receiving and the taking action that will come as a result. Bless this with fruit. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and worship our God together.